So we are continuing our series looking at the letters Jesus sent to the seven churches of Asia Minor, found in chapters two and three of the book of Revelation. So we're really looking at what is Jesus saying to the churches? We want to be those with ears uh, to really hear what he's saying through the scripture, but also by his spirit to us. And thank you for those of you who have already um, sent me some uh, emails of some revelation uh, that you believe that the Lord has given to you for our consideration as a leadership. Thank you for that. So please do, if you, in, in your praying and seeking after God, if you feel like there's anything that he's saying to Epping Forest Community Church, please do uh, share it with me and I'll, and I'll pass it on. <clears throat> My thanks to Julian for starting up starting us off so well with his introduction and with the uh, look at the letter to Ephesus, which are both on the website. So if you haven't heard them, uh, I would recommend you having a listen to them. Today, we're going to be looking at the church at Smyrna in Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 to 11, which we've already read, but I'm going to read again. It says this. To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, these are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and I know your poverty, yet you are rich. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer, I tell you. The devil will put some of you in prison to test you and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death and I will give you the crown of life. Those who have ears, let them hear what the spirit says to the churches. Those who overcome will not be hurt at all by the second death. Lord, we thank you for your word. And I pray, Lord God, that by your spirit and by your grace, that you would give me the right words to say and the right ways to say them, to build up, encourage, challenge and strengthen us. In your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. So, uh, Smyrna. At, at the time of writing uh, this letter, uh, Smyrna was a place in Asia Minor, which today is the port of Izmar in, um, I think I've said that right, in, in Turkey. Smyrna was approximately 25 miles north of Ephesus. Its location was found in a natural harbour by the Aegean Sea. Because of this natural harbour, it was an ideal place for for trade, for travel and for culture and commerce to flourish. It became a rather important trade route and therefore it became a wealthy seaport. Now at, at Smyrna, it was a centre of, of worship. Um, not the worship of the one true living God, but the worship of the Roman emperor. Um, Caesar. There, a temple was built there and people were expected to worship the emperor 
Caesar as God. So they would say Caesar is Lord and people were expected to pay the temple tax. So when in Smyrna, worship Caesar or suffer the consequences. Now, Smyrna was a place with a large Roman population, but there was also a large Jewish population there, too. And it was a place where um, the followers of Jesus, the Christians, were persecuted for their faith by the Romans and also by some Jews. So it was a very tough place and a tough time for the followers of Jesus to live in. So it's in that context that Jesus introduces himself. He says, these are the words of him who is the first and the last. In chapter one of Revelation, in verse eight, Jesus says, I am the alpha and the omega or the beginning and the end from the uh, Greek alphabet, alpha, omega, beginning to end. In other words, I'm the A to Z, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the almighty. Later on in, in that chapter of Revelation 117, John's having this revelation of Jesus. And it says that when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though I was dead. Then he, Jesus, placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. And so this phrase first and last has got echoes from uh, the Hebrew scriptures, from the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah 44 verses uh, verse six, it says this. This is what the Lord says. Israel's king and redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I am the first and the last. Apart from me, there is no God. And in uh, later on in Isaiah 48, chapter verse 12. Listen to me, Jacob, Israel, whom I have called I am he. I am the first and I am the last. So what Jesus is saying in this is that he is God. I am God. That Jesus is the source and the goal of everything that exists. It's all about Jesus. Jesus is the supreme Lord over all. Jesus is the first and the last. Jesus is before all things. He is creator God. He was there in the beginning and he will be there at the end. And he is there in the middle. He is the God who is there outside of time and very much involved in time. And he holds time in his hands. Jesus is the first and the last. And then he goes on to say, I am the one who died and came to life again. Again, go back, Revelation chapter one, Jesus speaks of himself. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and I hold the keys 
of death and Hades. It's recorded in John's Gospel in chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, famous verse. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Fantastic words. Fantastic words of life and hope. Now, there was a time when um, Jesus was talking uh, with his disciples and and talking with his with those that were following him. And he gave them some teaching that they found were pretty, it was pretty tough, pretty hard. And people started wandering away from Jesus. And Jesus turned to the disciple and he said, what about you? You guys, are you going to leave me too? And uh, Simon Peter answers, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So Jesus is revealing himself to the church at Smyrna and he's saying, I am Lord over death. And in Jesus' death, it was not the end, but rather than the rather than it was the beginning. Jesus is the source of all true life for those who believe in him and follow him and remain in him. What a hope, what a hope to hear, what an encouragement to receive when you are living in such a difficult time and a difficult place and you get this letter telling you who Jesus is, the first and the last and the one who died and came to life again. The strength would rise up within you. And then Jesus says his I I know statement. You know, I know your afflictions. I know your poverty. And yet you are rich. He's got a perspective. He sees and then he brings another perspective to them. So let's just look at that first statement. I know your afflictions and I know your poverty. Afflictions and poverty. Now, in a flourishing and prosperous place like Smyrna, The poverty of Christians was probably a direct result of persecution. I'm sure it was. Other people's hatred and hostility towards Jesus followers. Maybe they weren't giving them jobs or they were sacking them um, so they couldn't earn any money. Maybe they were not selling them goods. So even if they did have some money, they couldn't buy what they needed. Maybe it was their own godly standards that wouldn't allow them to do certain works uh, where they could get paid because their conscience was would be compromised to do it. You know, just um, they, were, they were being persecuted and they weren't financially well off. Now, Many, many, many Christians in the world today are living in persecution, living under oppressive regimes. And because they've got faith in Jesus, they get put back to the queues for the back of the queue for a job. They don't get the same opportunities in terms of education, particularly higher education. Recently, I've heard and read that in certain poorer nations today that are suffering 
with poverty and with the COVID situation and restrictions there, that Christians are specifically targeted to be left out of getting the help that was sent by uh, other richer nations. We, we live in dark times. They were living in dark times then. Now, the Greek word for affliction speaks of being in trouble, of being under pressure, of being crushed, being in anguish and being in pain. Difficult, challenging times. Jesus, in writing to the church at Smyrna, shows that he recognises and understands their pain and suffering. I know your afflictions. I know your poverty. And and he can he can say that he understands as well. He can say, I know. I know what it's like. I've been there. They did it to me. Isaiah chapter 53 verses three to five says this prophetically about Jesus, that he was despised and rejected by mankind, that that Jesus was a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We we need to remember that we follow a suffering king. We, we, we follow a suffering king who was acquainted with pain and grief and difficulty. You know, here in, in England, in the UK, I know we're in tough times, but we have freedom to worship our Lord and God. We have freedom to worship our saviour, free from persecution. Now, at the time of this letter, the believers in Smyrna, they were risking their lives to follow Jesus. Now, it might be something that we don't fully understand if, you know, if we've never suffered persecution ourselves. However, all around the world, our Christian brothers and sisters are facing harsh persecution because they follow Jesus. Following Jesus costs them. It costs them their liberty, their their livelihoods. It costs them their family. You know, um, they can suffer violence, rape, death, all because they stand for Jesus. They will not reject Jesus. And Jesus said, recorded in John 16, 33, in this world, you will have trouble. Like, in this world, you will have trouble. Why are we having trouble? Well, Jesus said we were going to have it. But take heart, says Jesus. I have overcome the world. I want to ask this question, asking, are the believers in Smyrna really poorer than those who have become comfortable under the effects of affluence? They they might be rich in a worldly sense, materially wealthy, yet are they truly richer? 
Now, the, the Smyrna believers may well be in anguish and pain, but Jesus says what well, the word that Jesus speaks is, yet you are rich. They are rich in everything that really, truly matters. Jesus says you are rich. It reminds me of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 10 to 12, where Jesus says this. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, because what they're doing is right. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I believe we've got to get a right thought and mindset um, of where we're at. And, you know, Jesus is saying this, blessed are those, blessed by God are those who are persecuted because of Jesus. Rejoice and be glad in it. You know, we are a blessed people. Ephesians chapter one tells us that we are blessed with every blessing in the heavenly realms, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We are blessed, we are rich to be holy, set apart, different and blameless in God's sight. We are rich because we are adopted to be sons of God, that we have redemption through his blood, that his blood paid the price for us, that we can walk in freedom, that in Jesus, we are rich because we've got the forgiveness of our sins. In Jesus, we are included in unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. There's a unity, a richness of unity. We're rich because we've been chosen by God and we, we are to bring praise and glory to God. And we receive the promised Holy Spirit. We're rich because we have the Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possessions. We are rich. That's the truth. Yet you are rich. You might be going through tough times. You might be materially poor, but we are rich in Christ. We are blessed in, in that state of persecution. We, you know, because their ours is the kingdom of God. In 1 Peter, uh, he says, you know, we've got an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. And this inheritance is kept in heaven for you. And, and in this, you can rejoice greatly, though now for a little while, <coughs> sorry, uh, you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Life might be tough. Life might be difficult, but we've got an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. That's kept in heaven for us. Hallelujah. Spiritual riches. Jesus said, recorded in Luke uh, chapter 12, verse 15, he says this. Watch out. 
be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. True life, true wealth, true riches are about our relationship with uh, our, our God, uh, with our life giver. It's not about stuff. Our worth and our value is found in our Lord and Saviour, in our Father, not in stuff. You know, and we can get deceived and believe a, a, a lie that says it's all about what we own and what we look like and the stuff. We're deceived. The truth is it's all about him. Apart from me, says Jesus, you can do nothing. Remain in me. I will remain in you and you will bear much fruit. It's the life source is Jesus, not stuff. And so the church can be at Smyrna can be incredibly encouraged by the truth that Jesus says you're rich. So we can easily focus on what's not good, on what's not right, on what's not going well. And we can throw ourselves a pity party about it. But in those moments, we need to get recalibrated, realigned and think, Jesus, what are you saying? And in this situation, this time, saying, you are rich. Now, the church um, didn't just in Smyrna, didn't just have problems with Rome but also with with some Jews. Jesus said another I know statement. I know your afflictions. I know your poverty. I know you're rich. Now I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and they're not, but are a synagogue of Satan. So Jesus is knowing that they're getting a tough time from certain Jews. And Jesus calls out a specific group of Jews and calls them a synagogue of Satan because they were not doing the will of God, but the will of themselves or the will of the devil. Do you remember when uh, Jesus spoke um, to his disciples and he explained to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, that he must suffer many things and and that he would be killed. And that on the third day he would rise. And Peter began to take him to one side and go, no, 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 no. Never, Lord. That won't happen to you. Sure, no. And Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And so this particular group of Jews didn't have the things of God in mind, they had, the, they had human concerns and they were influenced by the devil. And so they were verbally attacking the followers of Jesus and putting their lives in danger. Now, we know from the book of Acts that certain Jews often stirred up trouble and opposition to those who were declaring Jesus is Messiah. He is the anointed one of God. He is the king you've been waiting for. He is the promised saviour and deliverer. Now, obviously, the, the Jews then, they, they didn't want members of their particular faith community, community to be led astray or stolen by Christians. Also, for those Jews, pointing at the Christians can take some of the heat off them from the Romans. Look, look at them. Look at what they're doing or look at what they're not doing. So, 
you know, there was a time when the Roman authorities really didn't see a difference between Jew and Christians. But two things happened that brought about a divide in the minds of the Romans between Jews and Christians. So they could see it with more clarity. Now, one of those events was in AD 64. There was this great fire in Rome, which many people thought the Emperor Nero had started. Um, some say he started the fire for his own amusement. Other people think that he just wanted to rebuild and, you know, do a makeover. So he just went burn it all down. But because there was some heat on him and people were going, what are you doing? He said, no, no, it wasn't me. It was the Christians. It was the Christians that did it. And so then the, the Romans proceeded to persecute Christians in horrific ways. The followers of Jesus, some of them, they were X-rated this. They were put in skins of wild animals and then given to dogs to attack. They were crucified like Jesus was crucified. They were covered in tar pitch and set on fire. And at the time of Nero, they put them up on sticks, set them on fire to be evening lights. So that Nero and his guests could be entertained and be by torchlight. As Nero singled out the Christians for persecution from that time on, they were seen as a distinct group from the Jews. Another thing that happened was that um, the, the Jews and the Romans had went to war, AD 66 to 70. Now, the Jews became increasingly more um, annoyed uh, and hated the Christians even more because the Christians refused to support the Jewish uprising against the Romans they're going we're not going to get involved in your war and during this time of war the Jewish temple was destroyed by the Romans and the, the Christians believed that it was God's judgment on the Jews for not recognizing that Jesus was Messiah and so after the war the Jews then uh, excluded Christians from their gatherings and from their synagogue and then sometime after war, as, as it went along, the, the Jewish people felt vulnerable because they'd lost some of the protection that they had previously enjoyed under the Roman rule. So what some of the Jews would do is tell the Romans about certain Christians. They haven't paid the temple tax. They didn't pay the temple tax, which was a legal requirement. Or they would just say, you know what, they're really, I mean, they're not just anti-Roman, they're really anti-Roman, they're stirring up trouble. So they would basically be accusing and slandering Christians so they would get in trouble with Rome. Tough times. We find in this letter, unlike most of the others, one other hasn't got it, there's no accusation there's no criticism. There's no warning. There's no yet. I hold this against you. But there is a command. There is the command of Jesus. And we look at verse 10 in our passage. Jesus's command is this. Do not be afraid and be faithful. Do not be afraid. Be faithful. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death. And I will give you life as your victor's, as your victor's crown. 
So imprisonment in the Roman world was not itself a punishment. Being put in prison was simply a way of keeping people under guard while they awaited their sentence. Now, for these guys here, the punishment will be persecution for 10 days, which will lead some to the point of death. So that number of days, 10 days, suggests that language and stuff that has been found in inscriptions at Smyrna was announcing um, athletic games and gladiatorial contests for which the city was famous for. So some of uh, the Christians in Smyrna might become the victims of a gladiator's sword or to be attacked or mauled by wild animals for the entertainment of the people as they gathered at a festival called the Ten Day Games. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that being dragged away, put in prison and to face that? And Jesus is saying, I know what's going on now. Don't be afraid of about what you're, what you're going to suffer. Be faithful even to the point of death. And I will give you life as your victor's crown. We are to be those to overcome our fear with our faith. The book of Romans 10 verse 17 says this, that faith comes from hearing, hearing the message, hearing the word of God. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. So getting hold of God's word, thinking on it, meditating on it, memorising it, having faith will help us overcome our fears. You know, a good verse to, to meditate on is Joshua 1 verse 9 that says, I know he's speaking to Joshua, but we can extend it to ourselves. It's the word of God. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Don't be afraid. Be faithful. Be strong. Be courageous. Don't be discouraged because God is with you wherever you go. You know, we can cast our minds back to people and times and places in the Bible. You know, think of Daniel in the lion's den. You think of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the fiery furnace. You think of Stephen being stoned early on in the book of Acts. Some survived, some died, but God was with them all. God met them. You know, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego said, look, we believe our God can help us. But even if he doesn't, we're trusting him. Stephen, he gave himself to the Lord, you know, even in the stoning there. So God is with us, whether it's it comes out in a in a worldly perspective, good or or bad. God is with us. Luke chapter 12, verses four to five. Jesus says this. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. So it's all about our trust in God, who's got our eternity in his hands. 
James says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive a crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So Jesus is saying, don't be afraid and be faithful, even to the point of death, and you will get your victor's crown. You will get the crown of life. Now, in Smyrna, the victor's crown was given out. It was given out to the greatest athletes. It was given out to the greatest warriors in battle. It was given out to their greatest politicians who led the people. Ordinary people would never have received that worldly crown. But Jesus commands us to be faithful. And he says there's a reward. It's the victor's crown. It's the crown of life for overcoming fear, remaining true, remaining faithful under persecution and testing times. I don't know about you, but when I face a difficult testing time, honestly, my prayer is, Lord, please take this away. I recognise I'm addicted to comfort, but I also recognise that I, I need to pray differently. And I've been inspired by James 1, who says to the scattered and persecuted believers of his day, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So let's pray for God's grace for us, that we may have faith that overcomes fear and courage and strength um, and perseverance that overcomes any suffering. You know, it cost the Christians in Smyrna to follow Jesus. I don't know what it cost you to follow Jesus, but many of our brothers and sisters around the world today it costs them daily. It costs them their lives. It costs them their family. It costs them their business and their income. So please let us be those who remember to pray for the persecuted church that we pray for faith that overcomes fear, courage, strength and perseverance to overcome suffering. I would encourage you to get involved with thinking about open doors, get their website. If you're on Instagram, connect with open doors on Instagram. If you can on their website, you can order a book and which is the world watch list, the top 50 countries where following Jesus cost the most. You know, at the moment in our country, we are more likely to be tempted to deny our faith in Jesus through fear of being laughed at or someone calling us names or taking the mickey or being ostracised, you know, rather than fear of something much worse. But there may well come a time when we are faced with the same horrific situations as our brothers and sisters around the world. I believe we need to prepare ourselves to stand firm in the face of persecution and be faithful to Jesus. And I just want to highlight that this is um, the top 50 countries. So there are more countries where brothers and sisters are persecuted. They're just listing the top 50, which is mind blowing. In our Western Christianity, we are so comforted. So. Jesus, verse 11, brings encouragement. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What is, he, what is the Spirit saying? Don't be afraid. Trust in Jesus and be faithful to Jesus. And the one who is victorious 
will not be hurt at all by the second death. The second death is called that because it comes after a physical death. It's a spiritual death. The persecutors may kill people's physical bodies, but they have no power to impose the death of separation from God. So just want to highlight Luke 12 again. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. There are many stories of persecuted believers who stand faithful and, and true to him in the face of death. C.S. Lewis wrote, there are far better things ahead than we leave behind. In other words, those who believe in and trust and remain faithful to Jesus, death is an upgrade. I wonder, do we live with that in mind, convinced that there are better things in the future after death for us because of Jesus? Or are we so glued to this world seeing it's far more important to hold on to and cling to our life and fear death. This should not be for us. We should be those that are confident in our Lord.